0: Hi, welcome to the first ever episode of the Press Box Sports Podcast. My name is Noah Matthews and I'll be your host. Today we'll be taking a look at all of the news from the past week in NFL, MLB, and NHL. Let's get started. So the big news this week in the NFL is that Odell Beckham Jr. has been traded to the Browns. Just I, I can't even wrap my head around how nasty the Browns will be next year. They have Kareem Hunt who also, by the way, has had an eight-game suspension. But they have Baker Mayfield, Jarvis Landry, Nick Chubb. So many offensive weapons for Baker Mayfield to do his thing on the field. I am extremely excited to see what the Browns will bring to the table next year. Also, this past week in uh, NFL free agency news, Le'Veon Bell has signed with the Jets. Now, I've heard reports that he's weighing up to 275 pounds, I believe it was. That's that's not good for a running back, especially not an everyday running back. That most offensive backs weigh that much. He won't be the same player that he was with the Steelers. I'm not confident in him. I'm a little confused by the Jets signing, because they don't they sure aren't making the they're not looking to make a playoff push in uh, anytime soon. Um, Antonio Brown to the Raiders has happened this week. The Steelers got back a third and a fifth round pick in this year's draft. Uh, It'll be exciting to see how that pans out for them as well as the Raiders. Um, The killer bees are no more. What impact will this have on the Steelers? Now, this is a question I've been asking myself for the past couple days. What impact will this have on the Steelers? You you know, Antonio Brown is gone. Le'Veon Bell is gone. Now that's left is Big Ben. Even Jesse James is gone for crying out loud. Our defense is not producing as they should, as they weren't whenever Le'Veon and Antonio Brown were here. So how atrocious can this offense get? Especially with the Browns making the moves that they are and really trying to push for a playoff spot and become contenders. This will be uh, something that I want to take a more in-depth look at at a later date. Um... I do think, however, if the Steelers can get their picks in and uh, be able to develop that talent that they get in the draft, which there is a lot of it in this draft, anything can happen. Like, the draft is still a few weeks away, and there's a lot that can happen between now and the draft. A trade can happen, a free agency move, and the Steelers are one known to keep quiet about these things. Alright, other news in the NFL is... The Redskins trade for quarterback Case Keenum. Now, I'm a bit confused by this move just because of the fact that Gruden publicly said that he was comfortable with Colt McCoy as a starting quarterback in their organization. Now, I wouldn't feel too comfortable as the starting quarterback whenever my team trades for a quarterback. So that kind of uh, was surprising to me. But I will say that Case Keenum had a down year in Denver last year, but I do think that he'll turn around just because of the fact of how good he was in Minnesota. Um, Titans trade for Ryan Tannehill. Well, this this obviously shows that the Dolphins are planning on taking a quarterback in this year's draft. I personally think, as I have on my mock draft, that they will take Daniel Jones out of Duke. They'll take him in the with 13th overall pick. Why, why might I say this, you ask? I have all three quarterbacks that are better than him, well, in my opinion at least. Kyler Murray, Dwayne Haskins Jr., and Drew Locke. I have them all going before him in the draft. So by the time it comes around to the Dolphins' 13th pick, I don't think that any of those quarterbacks will be there. Who's left? Daniel Jones. Who, who do the Dolphins need? A quarterback. What's Daniel Jones? A quarterback. It, it's a really clear fit. I could really see it happening. Um, but again, a lot can happen between now and the draft. They can trade for a guy like Case Keenum, which kind of takes the Redskins out of contention for getting a quarterback in the draft. Or they can stick with uh, what they have and you know, possibly pick Daniel Jones up in the draft. Who knows? Um, the, also, something to look at is, why did the Titans trade for Ryan Tannehill? I get it that, you know, it's nice to have two quarterbacks that especially with starting experience, especially with Mariota's injury past, but I'm that it shocks me that they would do that with Mariota under center. I mean, I understand that it's a one-year deal and stuff that Tannehill's under currently. But if I were Mariota, I would be a little bit worried hearing these uh footsteps from Tannehill behind me. The Bills give uh, their new, fresh quarterback, Josh Allen, some receivers over this past week. They've signed both John Brown and Cole Beasley. It'll definitely add some depth to Robert Foster and Zay Jones, which they have back there now. Um, Charles Clay as well. Um, you know, even though Josh Allen's more of a rusher than a passer, uh, he'll have some pieces to work with and some options for in the future. Are the Chiefs tanking? As you can see, they've released Justin Houston, Eric Berry, they've traded Steven Nelson, they've gotten rid of Kareem Hunt. Is this an end to the Chiefs dynasty that hasn't even begun yet? Okay, we saw last year the great performances by Pat Mahomes and you know, it really shocked the world, it lit the world on fire. We, we thought that something could really come of this, like this would be something that goes on forever. But when you look more in-depth into it why would they release some of their top players if they planned on doing this I, I you know sure they can re- replenish some of the things that they lost in the draft but honestly I don't really see it happening because that they wouldn't get rid of these people these pieces they also traded d4 to the 49ers forgot about that but the Chiefs defense was one of the worst parts about their team last year and they got rid of the only good people on it. Another thing is that uh, breaking news, the league is investigating an incident involving Tyreek Hill. Now, I don't know what this means for the Chiefs organization, but I know that it means trouble. Tyreek Hill is obviously their best player on offense. He's incredible, always finds a way to get open, Um, and he's being investigated by the league. Now, this could end in a a suspension, it could end in a fine, who knows, but either way, it's a giant PR hit for the Chiefs, something that I definitely wouldn't want my team going through. As for the AFC North, the Ravens have made a move, countering the Browns moves, obviously. They have signed running back Mark Ingram. And also, safety, Earl Thomas. Now, those are two players that were easily on my top 10 free agents list. And the Ravens have added both of them. Which is very uh, exciting, considering that Gus Edwards and Kenneth Dixon split the role in the backfield for the Ravens last year. And so now there will be more of a competition with Mark Ingram. Will Mark Ingram completely beat them out to be the clear starter or will there be more of a Ingram and Kamara situation like there was in New Orleans like Gus Edwards takes a few Kenneth Dixon takes a few it'll be something interesting to watch in training camp I would definitely pay attention to it keep an eye on it um especially with the Browns and what they're doing this AFC North division is going to be one of the toughest again and it's not looking good for the Steelers I can tell you that All right, more free agent news news here. We have Golden Tate going to the Giants. Now, this is the best wide receiver in this free agent class, next to Tyrell Williams, who signed with the Raiders. But Golden Tate is, he played, split his time last season with the Eagles and the Giants, or the Eagles and the Lions. And this is a wide receiver. He's explosive, great slot receiver. A lot of teams were looking into him, and the Giants won out. So it'll, it's interesting to see, though, because they got rid of Beckham, looking to tank, and the Eli Manning's still under center. So it, it'll be—it's an odd, odd theory, but I trust in uh, Coach Shermer that he has a plan. So we'll have to find out. Now, one of the biggest pieces moved this off-season is Nick Foles to the Jaguars. Nick Foles even said it whenever he was still on the Eagles that the Jaguars would be one of his top priority teams to go after when in free agency. And boy, did he do it. He got four years, $88 million plus incentives. He will be the Jags starter with Blake Bortles gone now. Um, he'll really change that team. They have a good team already, but he'll be the clear starter now. And he can actually throw the ball more than 30 yards. Landon Collins, the best safety in this year. Oh, maybe not best safety. Er- Earl Thomas is a good safety free agency. But Landon Collins to the Redskins. Now this deal, it replaces Ha Clinton Dix. That was on the Redskins last year, who also signed uh, with the Bears. But... Landon Collins can bring a lot to the table, as we've seen in recent years with the Giants. And it's it's somebody that a lot of teams were looking for on a lot of people's boards, and he signed on the first day of free agency, I believe. And he's going to shape up the Redskins a lot more. C.J. Mosley to the Jets, Terrell Suggs and Jordan Hicks, both to Cardinals, Kwan Alexander to the 49ers, Eric Weddle to the Rams, all big pieces. And who were, um, Mosley, Suggs, Mosley and Suggs were the Ravens linebacker duo last year. They both walked away, both signed with different teams. What will the Raiders do about this? Will they draft a linebacker in this year's draft? Will they try to build up Tim Williams for this year, one of their draft prospects, I think two years ago? Will they trade for somebody? Their their defense, it, they went from being one of the best defenses in the whole entire league last year to possibly one of the worst this year if they don't do anything about it. Um, Weddle to the Rams, bolstering a already extremely talented defense there in Los Angeles. It'll be uh, fun to see what will happen there. On to, the, on to Major League Baseball now. Spring training is underway, which is, ex- which is exciting for me. Um, new rules, they are, it hasn't been implemented yet, but they are testing out the pitch clock in baseball. I personally do not like because if, if you don't want to respect the game and the theory of it and how long it takes, then don't come to a baseball game. I, I get it, baseball is for everybody. But it's some—it's not something that you can just change the shape of it for the same people that are eating Tide Pods nowadays. It, it's just not—it's not logical. Um, same thing with the pitcher must face three batters. I, like what? Where's the strategy out of the game now? Uh, I understand it's trying to get the game going faster or whatever it may be, but like, like there's lefty specialists for a reason. If you have a left-handed batter, bring in your lefty specialist, you know, strikeout. But now that, that eliminates that, and it'll really change the game and pace for a lot of teams and a lot of coaches, in fact, throughout Major League Baseball. Nope, uh, no post-deadline deals. This is more of a off-the-field type thing. Um, after the July 31st trade deadline, You can no longer make a waiver trade, which is how Justin Verlander was acquired a couple years ago. Um, I don't think it'll have as much of an impact, but it'll definitely have an impact on those teams looking to shoot for a World Series championship. Um, Also, finally, on the MLB rule changes, the Home Run Derby winner will receive $1 million. I feel like this is an amazing incentive for those hitters who some of the best hitters in the league, the people who we really want to see in the Home Run Derby. There won't be any more, like, not no names per se because last year's Home Run Derby was filled with superstars, but just, like, we'll see more of the Aaron Judges, Bryce Harpers, Giancarlo Stantons, all the guys who we requested to see and turned it down, they'll be in it now because of the million-dollar incentive. Who wouldn't want a million dollars? It'll make it more exciting, more hard work and dedication will be put into it. I feel like this is a great move for the game, great move for the fans. Yeah, it'll be exciting to watch. All right, so now back to the MLB for a second here. I Here are my top five teams in both the AL and NL. Starting out with the NL first, Phillies. They acquired, this offseason was big for them. They acquired JT Real Muto and signed arguably the best free agent out there, Bryce Harper. This team is going to be scary. They were—they already produced a lot more than expected last year. I can only imagine what they're going to do this year. Number two is the Milwaukee Brewers. They, they started to get things brewing, no pun intended, last year. And they failed to do so, but they made it to the playoffs, which was one of their goals. And this year, I feel like they'll just go over the top with it and really make a deep push into the postseason. Number three is the Cardinals also coming from the NL Central, which is going to be a scary division. I guarantee the NL Central is going to be one of the best, as they have um, exceeded expectations for many years now, having the Reds, uh, Cardinals, Brewers, Pirates, Cubs. All of these teams are scary to watch, maybe not the Pirates. But the Reds even now, having Alex Wood, Yasiel Puig, Matt Kemp, Tanner Roa. All these offseason moves to bolster their team um number four is the dodgers los angeles dodgers they two years ago they were in the world series and obviously lost to the astros but they had a good team then and i feel like more prospects have come up now and so that's why they're number four on my list number five is the mets now you may be shocked to hear this on my list but the new york mets I have so much confidence in Brody Van Wagner at GM. And I honestly believe in him too. If, if he says, if he wants to trade for the best player in the MLB, he's going to trade for the best player in the MLB. You've already seen it. He's traded for Cano and Diaz and worked out all of these deals. Peter Alonso at first base coming up in probably mid April. Th- this team is definitely going to be one to keep an eye on. Maybe, maybe don't expect too much from them at the beginning. Def- I would definitely keep an eye on them. Because they might do some exciting things. As for the American League. Red Sox, World Series champions. Uh, obviously, I'm going to p- place them first. Because who wouldn't place the World Series champion first? And number two, the Yankees. Red Sox greatest rival. Uh, competitors, all everything on the list. One of the oldest rivalries in baseball, most exciting rivalries in baseball. The Yankees just seem to throw money at their problems year after year and succeed at it. So it will be interesting to see how that pans out. The Astros are number three on my list. Uh, they won the World Series two years ago. Let's not forget that. Their pitching staff is still amazing. They have been having trouble, though, with their minor league system. And the PEDs that are circulating through them. But other than that, this team is going to be just as good as it has been the last couple years. Number four, I have the Cleveland Indians, also known as Believeland. The Browns are looking up, and now it's time for the Indians to look up. This Indians team, it's had, it's been under the radar more so. They've made it to the playoffs the past couple years. But they haven't gone deep. Deep enough into the postseason to make them a legitimate contender. They only rank number four on my list because one, they're in the weak AL Central division. Obviously, they're going to win. Number two, they're a sneaky team. I feel like they could, by mid-season, rise up to number three. I still think the Yankees and Red Sox will hold the top two spots, but you never know. As for number five, I have the Athletics. This is a team that they didn't make many big offseason moves, but they made a lot of quiet, small offseason deals and moves that could potentially impact them in a bigger way than they expect. They added a few pieces that they needed, like a third and fourth starter, um, a couple bench bats, which could go a long way. They lost Jed Lowry, which is a big upset for them. But I'm sure that they can uh, prevail from it and they will be able to be a top five team in the A.O. Also, number six. Now, this isn't a contender per se, but it is a team that I would really be looking forward to watching if I were a fan of them. This is the Tampa Bay Rays. Last year, around the deadline, it looked as if they were going to be done going to rebuild for the next five to ten years, not even expect to be close to winning a championship anytime soon. But they came out with a strong showing in uh, in spring training, and Kevin Cash, I-, I believe in him. He seems to have helped made the right moves and leading this team in the direction that it wants to go and it believes it can go. I feel like as long as they just maybe move to somewhere else than Tropicana field, they might just win a championship. Alright, on to the NHL. This will be our last segment of today's episode. We have, who is the better 2019 prospect? Hughes or Kako? Now this is a question I've been asked pretty often by other NHL fans. And in my opinion, I'm going to have to say Hughes. He just has more pure talent. Kako's more... I would say, raw talent, as most would call it. Um, I got a lot more faith in you at the NHL level than I do Kako, but it's up to you to decide. Both great prospects, both going to be great in the NHL someday. Uh, We'll see how that works out. My team of the week is the Pittsburgh Penguins. They're finally clicking. They're finally coming together, something that... Every NHL fan has expected, but now it's finally happening. Matt Murray is finally going on a tear, actually stopping the puck glove hand, um, winning seven in his last eight appearances. Casey DeSmith, even the backup goalie, shot out last night. He's really doing good. Um, Crosby and Malkin, Malkin are clicking. Our depth is starting to score and everything is really going the way that we want to especially with April around the corner and this is the what uh this is the direction that they want to be heading finally in the NHL subject we have my Stanley Cup final prediction now it may be too early but i feel like mid march is a good time for a prediction like this i'm going to say the flames versus the lightning The Flames obviously have a lot of good uh, talent on their team. And the Lightning, man, they've been on a tear. They have Kucherov and uh, Point and everyone that you'd want to have on a Stanley Cup roster that you would think would be on a Stanley Cup roster, the Lightning have. So the Stanley Cup final, I haven't really been following hockey much this season, But I do know that this Stanley Cup Final will be exciting, especially if these two teams are featured. Last but not least, thank you all for listening. This is PressBox Sports' first-ever podcast. Um, If you have have an email, pressboxsportspodcast at gmail.com. Please email us. Let us know what you think. Uh, Sponsorship opportunities are available if you want to sponsor an episode. Or if you or your company wants to sponsor an episode, please just let us know. We will make that happen. Uh, Episodes are every Saturday, so if you would like to subscribe, please leave a like, comment, subscribe, anything you can do. Give us some support and show us some love. Thank you again for listening. My name is Noah Matthews. I'm your host. Good night.